It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. We are back on the weekly show here on the Blue Room. Matt Jones, joined by Dave Downey and Les Roberts. We were just showing our pens off to each other before we started or making notes today. Very important. We get things down, do proper preparations because the start of a new season starts with me to go on, eh, Dave? Well, yeah, some of us have got pens, yeah. It will be starting <laughs> as we mean to go on, yeah. I'm going to have to sit here and use my phone instead, so... Uh... Apologies to those who, um, for some reason, might be looking my way during this podcast. So, yeah, they'll be down quite a bit. When normally, if I've got my pad, I can just do it there and make some notes on the slide without looking like I'm distracted by anything. So, Les is always prepared because I think, although mailbag's the show, which has sort of got the most nonsense in it, I think it requires the most preparation for sure. Oh, God, yeah, I've prepared that down to the final dot. Basically. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I go into that one very prepared. I've got like a Google sheet with all the questions on and everything yeah those intros don't write themselves to be honest because it's an absolute shambles the show but there you go (laughs) Uh, if you haven't watched that by the way it's from the weekend you did before the game didn't you with Warren Matt and Laura yeah we did yeah it was a good laugh actually it was nice to finally get out and see people again because I don't think we've done a mailbag in person since February 2020 the last one that was with Hannah and Mike and maybe Jack um so yeah, it was nice to get out and uh, Jimmy's is a cracking um, pre-match venue, to be honest as well. Beer's good and the food's good, so. Yeah, go and give that a watch if you haven't already. Uh, we are, of course, here to speak about all things Everton. We'll talk a little bit about the game at the weekend again, how maybe we've all calmed down or, or not calmed down. Uh, maybe we're all still on a high from what happened on Saturday, but we'll start turning our attention towards Leeds at the end of the show. We'll also have a chat about Moise Keane, who is 
unarchived his Instagram pictures of Everton. I think you could probably say they're all back on. So he's back. The toppies are back in his good books. Uh, Hamas Rodriguez is still here as well. All that, all of that situation could very much change given how often he's on Twitch playing Call of Duty and just dropping off the cuff remarks. <laughs> we'll, we'll never know there. And we'll also have a chance about Sean Longstaff, who apparently Everton are going to make a £10 million bid for, uh, according to some reports that just broke before we came on air. But, but the most important thing, I think everyone's desperate to know, anyone who listens to the post-match on Saturday will, will be desperate to know, is um, Dave, have you received your formal letter of apology slash compensation of Everton for... Your phone being scratched slash the stress that was caused by you not being able to get into the ground at what ten past one was it on Saturday? Listen, let's not throw stones in glass houses here, Max. You just because you don't arrive at the ground till half past three, you, I think you go for your, your half time pie before you've even seen a, a ball kicked when you get into Goodison. So let's not let's not go there. But alas, no, I haven't received no such apology despite uh, a couple of DMs and, and whatnot as to why. The situation arose and uh, the replies I got on Twitter were, were, were highly positive, which is a good thing. Uh, it seems like I was in the minority of people that struggled with the uh, sort of contactless digital scanner or whatever it is that they've decided to erect uh, at the entrance that I uh, bestow upon Goodison when I make my way to the ground. Um, and so like the, the thing I would like is the actual cards that I've paid for now. Because um, I share well this season. I'm sharing my season ticket with Hannah, um, and obviously she won't be able to get in under the current digital restrictions, shall we say? Uh, obviously, because she's not me, and my name's on the season ticket. So the only way to get round that, and I do hope some club officials are tuning in to watch this, is by using the card, uh, like old school days. Like if I sold my ticket to somebody, if I gave my ticket away, as I often did in the last few years, I'd have to give the person the card and they could get in no problem whatsoever. It's an adult season ticket. So there's no way like I'm getting people getting away with any money or, or things like that. Um, so I certainly hope it's here by, I think, is it Burnley? Our first, our next home game, which is yeah, the start of September. Um, yeah, we, of course, have got Leeds. Well, we've got a triple header of away games coming up, haven't we? We've got Leeds, Huddersfield and Brighton, uh, which I'm, I'm hoping to be at, le- at at least two of those three games, uh, I presume will be issued proper standard cardboard tickets for those, which will take away any of the pain or anxiety they've got about getting into the ground. Les, did you have any issues getting in the weekend, mate, or is it all seen? No, all went a bit too well, to be honest. That, were, you, were you card, Les, or digital? No, I went, I went card because um, sometimes the kids can't make it or they can't be asked. Yeah. Um, so basically, we'll, we'll upgrade the card and give it to one of your mates then. So it's just just easier to do that. Um, so that's why I read it. But yeah, it was, it was dead easy. We went in our normal turnstile and everything. So uh, it all went pretty well, yeah. Well, the, the other side of that, Les, to, to, to sort of feed on to that is obviously the, the club's um, sort of self-made ticket and service, if you need to sell your ticket, is still yet to be made. It's still yet to be released. I mean, it's not like they've had the best part of two years to do this, is it? But um, obviously, we're all. I think. I think I speak for most fans when they were pretty happy that StubHub were no longer going to be the uh, custodians of that particular uh, issue. And the fact that they announced they were going to make it an in-house sort of bespoke service was really welcoming. I was really happy when I saw that. The fact that it wasn't in place at all, and we've seen no announcement since, is a bit worrying. I wonder how long it will take. You would. You would expect at least for it to be uh, available for the next home game, 
Yeah. The longer it goes on, that, that that's a little bit of a concern because how else are we going to shift our tickets in, 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 in a safe way, really, other than, you know, what's the alternative? You, you meet up with somebody, which obviously I've never had a particular interest with me, uh, issue with meeting up with anyone who have bought a ticket or sold a ticket to. But there are those things that crop up. It's like when you sell something on on Gumtree and all that, you have to make sure you're in a public space and all that sort of thing, don't you? So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a concern, that for me, because it's, it's taken forever. And when on earth are they going to get the next delivery of plastic in order to issue the people who've bought cards for five pound by the way uh when when's that gonna happen do you know what i mean i, I can't believe that we're what would i be middle of uh, the t- 2021 and we're still having issues like this what's going on maybe because <laughs> sorry just i was gonna say maybe you should just use like a different material like use wood you can have like a wooden season ticket or like a ma- metal yeah, season seats. Get the wooden yeah. season tickets. <laughs> exactly yeah you know metal season tickets or something like that maybe it's maybe it's the time to branch out into different textures and materials to make season tickets right like one of those sorry, americans man. like one of those american psycho business cards like that yeah I th- I, it seems to me like the season sort of crept up on them somehow because they didn't have the digital thing sorted, and then they sort of thought, oh, hang on, we better get everyone down to test this. And that was really late in the day. And the fact that they've jibbed off StubHub and haven't got their own in-house thing sorted, it's just, it's a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, it's very evident. It's terrible, but it's evident. But it's just like, you think they would, they would get this sorted. You think, like, there's so many things have gone wrong in the past with this club. It's think, right, let's just do things properly for once. And they haven't done it again. And I was, I was speaking to my dad about it, um, at the game, I don't know how true this is, but he was saying you can only charge a maximum of twenty five pound for your ticket. Well, that's what he's that's what he's read. Well, I mean, if you if you're a season ticket holder, that's I presume that's what equates to a single ticket. Yeah, given the discount, yeah, you know, if it does, five. if it does, yeah, that that's fine. If it does, but if yours could no, because he said any surplus goes to Everton in the community. It's probably not true. He's probably just heard it or read it somewhere. <laughs> but if that's the case, it's a little, a little bit wrong, that isn't it? You're getting shortchanged on the season ticket you paid for. Yeah, I think I think um, who knows that that might be the issue why it's taken so long that they need to sort of work out what it means per annum or you know what mm-hmm. discount you get for being a season ticket holder and then you know if there's an excess if there's a surplus when you sell that ticket for instance Les if you put yours on there and it worked I can't remember what it works out as your season ticket obviously depends where you're sitting in the ground but if they put that for sale at the price of your ticket divided by nineteen. You know, when you've paid your bulk sum yeah. or via direct debit, that's obviously going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than if a person was to buy it as a walk up. Yeah, that's well, that's fair enough. Up. Yeah, if 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 you take off the if you get what you paid basically for your ticket and yeah. then they take off any service, that, that's fair enough. Yeah, I, I agree because I mean you you're only taking it off a season ticket. You're not yeah. buying a genuine walk up, are you? But it's it's how they sort of differentiate between what they do with that surplus. Does it should it go back to you? Because you, unfortunately, in many circumstances, would have to sell your ticket, or should they go to someone like Heaven in the community? That's where that that room of your dad's is made makes makes sense, really, doesn't it? Because nobody yeah. nobody makes a profit from it then, which I suppose was what they're trying to do in the first place with it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because we all work in a digital world, don't we? We, we we're constantly around computers and technology and stuff like that. Why on earth it would take so long for? a database to be set up because they've got all the information they need. They've got everything they need from all the season ticket holders. They've got our names, addresses, bank details. How hard can it be to put that onto an interface and and, and allow people to access 
tickets that become you want to become available. I don't understand, and um, I don't think it's the last we'll hear of grievances with tickets. Indeed, I don't think it'll be the last we hear up to this weekend. Whoever's going over to Leeds um, could be it could be the guinea pigs for some certain things that perhaps go on with the way fans travelling over. But uh, the, the good thing is we haven't heard anything from other clubs or other fans. Yeah who've struggled to go to away games so far in, in, in post-pandemic. So hopefully it's the same for all of our fans who go over there. Besides, I think that'd be the least the worries going to Leeds away, to be honest. Yeah, we always find something to moan about, don't we? You know, oh, best, game, you, back, best this, game back for ages. You know, but the thing is, Matt, it, 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 it's a genuine concern because if you can't, you, you build yourself up, and I think we spoke a lot about this in the post-match, if you build yourself up to go into a game again and, for some people, it'd be quite a brave decision, I imagine, as well, given um, you know the, the health situation and stuff over the last 18 months and might be a little bit cautious about going to a match and being among so many people who within touching distance of them. These sorts of things don't help. And the, those sorts of things seem to be the stuff that should be dealt with quite comfortably and quite easily. If, you, if, you, if you're a football club with Premier League resources, it shouldn't be difficult to sort this out before anyone enters a stadium, in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but when we all did get in there, it was it was great. Obviously, Davy spoke on on the post match. Les, what, what did you make of the the whole experience and, and being back in and and that side of it before we speak about how, how the lads played? It was uh, it was a bit of a roller coaster. It was very emotional, wasn't it? It's uh, you know I didn't I didn't exactly break down, but there was definitely like uh, there was a lump in the throat sort of when you when they had the list of people up, but we won't go into that again. Uh, we had the list of people up who, who died from COVID, sadly. Um, that was really emotional with the, the sort of um, orchestra Z cars playing in the background. And when the game kicked off, that was emotional to see everyone sort of there and cheering the team on. Round us, there's usually quite a few, well, a couple of seats empty every game. It was full. I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen where we sit absolutely full, every seat taken. Um, that was just dead nice. It was just really really nice to be back in it's uh, can't really put it into words um and then i think after sort of that initial sort of euphoria and the sort of singing died down a little bit and then southampton started with their repertoire you know with the library and all that before 10 past three that's how it goes every game um it kind of settled down and back in back into normality even leading up to when southampton scored that goal when you really thought yeah they're in the back now aren't they this is it but um, yeah, loved it. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever seen. I don't think I've seen the kids as happy at a game since we beat Man United four nil. Um, so I think just seeing them there and being that happy at the game, it uh, yeah, it just meant an awful lot to be in there. Yeah, that's something actually I didn't really think about until today. I saw the club put like a bit of a montage of photos up of like you know you know young kids and stuff and talking about people going to the first game. And I imagine there's like a a whole cross section of parents who. We've had, you know, boys and girls get to the age where they they want to start going to the games over the, the past eighteen months, and they've not been able to go, you know, and they've been yeah. waiting for that first game for so long. So it's something I didn't really think about. But but again, I'll, I'll come to you first, Les, um, on the performance. Um, at, at our time, I was certainly thinking the worst and feeling like, oh god, it's going to be a long season. Forty points feels like it's miles away here. Um, but they turned it round, didn't they? I don't necessarily think Everton played well, but they were more aggressive. They were more positive. And they have players in Richardson and Abdi Decore in particular that just sort of put their head above the parapet of what was a, a bit of a mediocre game and showed the quality. Yeah, I think I think that first half, it was just two teams being very cautious and just feeling each other out. I mean, Southampton, I think that was a bit of a patched up team they had, wasn't it? And it wasn't 
he didn't really do anything in the first half to suggest that he should have gone in one nil up. Um, obviously that chance that that they scored off was given to them on a plate by Keane. Um, so yeah, I just thought that first half it was it was just a very tentative game where neither side really looked like they wanted to go for it. Um, but I was I wasn't that bothered at half time because I thought they've they've shown absolutely nothing and we can't be as bad in the second half. They were famous last words. How many times have you been at half time thinking we can't be that bad in the second half? It gets to 80 minutes and we've been worse because we're still 1-0 down. Well, that's what happened last season all the time, wasn't it, effectively? Yeah. We found ourselves behind. It was like, right, they've got to come out and do something different. And it, it did get even worse. It just, you know, disintegrated yeah. even more. Yeah, but it, it's it sort of... It, this is what I, I hoped that Benitez would bring to the side. You get them fit so they're not flagging after 70 minutes, which they weren't. He'll up the intensity and, you know... If they need a bit of a kick in at half time, he'll give them a bit of a kick in at half time, which, you know, no one knows what happens in the changing rooms apart from the players and the manager. But it does seem that if he didn't give them a rocket, he definitely told them you need to go out and attack this game because they're for the taking, which, you know, it, it's easy to look back and, and sort of slag everyone off for last season. But you never got the feeling that that ever happened at half time in any game, certainly at home last season. And, you know, it, we've got the players there who, who can attack. That's, that team was set up to attack Southampton. Didn't do it enough in the first half. And then we really just we just blew them off the water in the second half. It was it was it was a good Everton performance that second half because everything the team did got the crowd up, which is exactly what we need. He did it early in the second half. So we weren't getting to that 60, 70 minutes, 80 minute point where we're thinking, oh God, we're not going to turn this round. They got the goal early and then they just went for them. And just think seeing that. That last goal from Calvert-Lewin was just a very, very evident goal. And it was just great to see. And the, atm- the atmosphere that second half was outstanding. Yeah, it was just great, the whole thing. Yeah, I think that that's a really interesting point that Les has made there, Dave, actually, in regards to you know all the things the players did, got the crowd up. And I suppose while we can sit here and say, well, the manager's obviously still going to be learning about that because he's, he's new to the job. And, you know, Townsend and, and Gray are as well. I suppose that, that applies for players like Alan and Decore as well, doesn't it? Because they've not been at the football club and played against a, a full Goodison before, you know, and on Blue Room Breakfast this morning, I was reading quotes from Seamus Coleman about how he put a slide tackle in on uh, one of their fullbacks in the first half. He probably didn't really need to do because he knew it was going to get the, the crowd going. He took the ball, it, it got them up. And I suppose that even though they've been here for a while now, players like Alan, players like Decore, uh, and obviously all the new lads as well and the new, the new manager, they're still going to be learning about what, what it takes to sort of ignite this crowd, isn't it? And, you know, they got a good little impression of that, I think, at the start of the second half in those first five minutes where just doing basic things but doing them with a bit of aggression really got, got the fans on side. Yeah, I'm not sure Seamus should be admitting to that, to be honest with you. I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably keep that under my hat, you know, and just actually do it and not reference it whatsoever as, as a way of getting the crowd. I think you, I got the sense you might have been asked directly about it by the, uh, by the club's in-house journalist, yeah. to be fair. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, it's it's not a major thing anyway, is it? But um, what is a major thing is these players having that support, and and it shows you. That I think, I think many people, um, many cynics over the years would would suggest that the Everton crowd don't really have an effect on on football games, and that's probably you know the, the origins of the, uh, origins of that probably come from the fact that the crowd has been an issue for quite some time. We've discussed it many times, haven't we? When the atmosphere hasn't been great. Um, so for the days when it is rocking, the days when it does get up um, and it does have an effect, it's there for the players to see and to use as well. I think 
if you're an Alan, if you're you know a player that hasn't hasn't seen or heard an atmosphere at Goodison, and let's face it, these are seasoned professionals. They'll have heard it at different grounds and throughout the career. It'll be nothing new to them. Uh, but the fact that it's there and now a feature where it wasn't uh, for the for the last eighteen months should should be a big shot in the arm for many of them when they need it as well. I mean, you, you can you can think of many many circumstances last season where. You look at the team, the way they've played, certain things that have happened in games where you wish the crowd were there to either hopefully inspire, but would give a bit of a grumble, would give a bit of a moan to to say to the players, look, this is unacceptable. We expect something a little bit better, some more effort from you, perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's twofold, isn't it? I think most players will embrace it. There'll be others who think, oh, God, I'm quite scared of putting the ball to you know, misplacing a pass and stuff like that. How will they react to that? That's up to them, isn't it? You would hope that it's going to be a thing where they think, God, I can't do this. I don't want the crowd grumbling and moaning my way if I put a, a misplaced pass somewhere or give the ball away and when I'm under pressure or whatever. I think hopefully that that's a positive thing. I think many footballers would see it as a positive thing. And hopefully it's something that they find gets an extra 10, 20% out of them when they're on the pitch for us this season. Yeah, and uh, that Decore goal. I mean, I don't know how many times you've you've both watched it. I'm, just, I'm still trying to work out if he absolutely wallops it or it's just really accurate. And I've watched it so many times now, and I still can't work out if he hits the shot that hard. It's almost like it's on his foot and then it's not. It's like it doesn't actually move through space. It just it just appears from his foot and then it just ends up in the top corner somehow. Well, I was I was listening to you saying that on post match, and it's funny because we've got two totally different perspectives of that goal. Because I'm right up at the back of the park end, and you're in amongst mm. it in the Gladys. So you said it just left his foot and hit the top corner. From where we were, you saw it leave his foot, and you just saw it bend into the top corner. It was the classic goal that gets scored against Everton down that end. <laughs> I have seen that goal scored against us so many times, where it just leaves the the, the attacker's foot. You think, yeah, that's flying in, and it goes in top corner. It was it was perfect the way he hit it. Um, I have watched this so many times over, especially with that um, foreign commentary where he just screamed. <laughs> Abdullah, Abdullah. Oh, it's brilliant, yeah. But I mean, it was just that was that was when the roof lifted off, wasn't it? That was when it was like, oh my god, this this is good now. We were like, we were one one all at that point in control, and then as soon as that went, it was like, yeah, we've got these. This is it. And uh, oh, it was great. And to score a goal like that, as I said, they they usually get scored against us. Yeah, have you you've had it on repeat as well, David? That that mad commentary. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen several different versions. I think I've probably seen it from Abdullah Kore himself at some point. I've played. <laughs> <laughs> well, they come up on that thing, haven't they? Where you know they do the all angles, the goals from yeah. all angles, and they they put it on there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I love the way they've done that. That that's a real sort of innovation they've done, isn't it? Over the um, the last couple of years, which is really nice goals from all angles and yeah I mean it, it's just um, it, it's a bit of a strange goal really because I just don't expect it to happen I think when he decides to turn back after the, his initial chance to shoot with his left foot and then to do like a bit of a 360 and then hit the ball right into the top corner it's a, it's a really unexpected goal because you I think if you if you listen to the crowd it, it, it's as if all of us feel that the moment's gone mm-hmm. and that the best he's going to do is maybe lay it off to whoever's in the right back slot right wing slot to invariably cross it to Rosehead in the Gladys Street. I think many of us would sort of resign to that happening, but the fact he does sort of break the mould, and, and there was I was using phrases like that on the post-match of like shedding his skin, breaking out, all the phrases like that, where I think Decore, I'd like to see a lot of that this season. I think 
I think there's a it's almost like a Hulk like persona that he takes on um at times in games. And I'd like to see that a little bit more from the off. And I think Benitez would have learned a lot from him in that second half performance because I think in the first half, uh I wouldn't say he was playing within himself, but I think he was there was a little bit more selflessness from his performance in midfield, helping Alan. I think we got overwhelmed a few times midfield from Southampton and with a second half he very much decided that this was his game. He was going to be the one that controlled it and nobody got in his way. And if he tried to, they ultimately failed. So I, I want to see more of that, much more impressionable decore uh, from the off. And, and, and hopefully it's something Benitez has noticed. He, he, he would, I doubt, decore seems to me like somebody who wouldn't break rank. He seems someone to me, a little bit like Leighton Baines was, who just went about his job as the ultimate professional and very, very rarely stepped out of line. Whereas in the second half, I think he got angry, and I think that there was a there was something somewhat of a you know a little bit more feral performance from him, a little bit more of a natural take on the game, and that's what he brought with the goal and the performance afterwards as well. He decided to drive; people just bounce off him. He's a big, powerful, strong, intelligent player, um, and I hope that's the decore we see, and not the one that feels he has to help out in other areas. Um, I'd like to see him play with a little bit more freedom. Um, I think he has so many good attributes about him that I think it might be quite easy for a manager to say, I need to do a job for me here this week, rather than just say, play your natural game to him. I think he's a little bit sacrificial like that as, as a player, but I, I want to see more of the second half from him because I think that he's absolutely got that in his locker. We saw it a bit at Watford. Hopefully see we, we see a hell of a lot more of it this season. Yeah, just picking up on what you said there, Dave, about normally that I'd get passed out to the right back trying to cross in. I hope we see more of that now from players to just have a shot. When you're in that position, if you see the goal, just lash your foot at it. You know, it might go over nine times out of ten, but that one time it doesn't. That happens and it's worth it. And you just think it, you know, players often they seem too scared to take a chance like that. You will try and play it safe and sort of craft the perfect goal instead of just, you know. You might even scuff it and it takes a deflection. And yeah. go, you know, the more the more shots you, I mean, it's obvious, but the more shots you have, the more chances you've got to score, especially in situations like that where it's a packed area and it could go anywhere and, you know, it could go in the top corner if you hit it right. Um, but, you know, it can, it can break to anyone. So we just think if you can cause as much chaos as possible, because we are getting bodies in the box as well. And noticed on Saturday, it was back to that getting more people in the box at once, uh, again, which is what you need. So, you know, it's not the sort of thing you want to be doing, like, in injury time when you're chasing the game because you do need to keep hold of the ball and try and craft a perfect goal at that point. Um, but yeah, I think I think times like that in the game when it just drops the players, hopefully we'll see more of them just swinging a foot at it. Well, I, I mean, if you, if you flip that on its head as well, what are the chances that that layoff to the person who's going to be crossing it uh, materialises in as having a chance on goal anyway when, you know, uh, I don't want to go down this route too much, but I will dip my toe into the water. You're laying it off to Seamus Coleman or Alex Awobi. I think I think Coleman now needs to do that little scoop into the box instead of crossing it because that was <laughs> that was lovely. That I mean, it was, yes. it, was, it was it was creative. It was I don't know. He persevered, didn't he? There was no obvious. The angle his body was at, he couldn't whip a ball in. Yeah. He literally just looking for a pass, and the only thing that was on was to loop it over one of their players' heads to uh, to to a wall. Was it a wall? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was yeah. just a little bit out the ordinary. Like you just don't really see players do that in that situation. You know, they have a drive to the bar and or cross it in. So I, I was actually expecting him. To it, it looked like quite a frustrating move in the end because it started to break down a little bit. And I was expecting when he cuts inside to just have a pot shot with his left that'll just be sliced out for a throw in or something. So 
for them to have that composure and presence of mind to scoop it up for uh, to, to keep possession if, if nothing else was just really nice. Yeah, Porto had a good game, Seamus, apart from when yeah. he got sat down at the end. But, you know, Bacinepo <laughs> is a, a skillful player that can do that yeah. to anyone. But I've just thought, I've watched that goal again then when you're talking at the core, everyone just to try and get a bit of a measure on it. And I think it's just the fact that his leg doesn't really seem to come through that fast. It's just like, he just, it's very slow, but he just strikes it so cleanly. And it just sort of looks, do you know what, do you know what it reminds me a little bit of? And Dave, you'll probably get this reference a bit. It's like, it's like a Fred Couples golf swing. But yeah. it just look it just looks so easy, and you know it's just you know the you know it goes through the ball hardly any sort of pace on it at all. But then you go bloody hell, that's gone miles at like yeah. a, break, a breakneck speed. It's but it just looks so easy. But uh, yeah, I'll probably watch it a few more times for for the end of the week. Uh, but let, let's let's move on to have a chat about some other bits. Uh, two lads who weren't involved on Saturday, first and foremost. Um, like I said, Hamas Rodriguez is, is never off Call of Duty, never off his Twitch, so this could all be redundant by the time. Uh, this podcast goes out. Uh, I don't know how he's got time to do anything, you know, be on his, his Xbox that much, to be honest. You know, I would not get away with that with my missus. I'd be got jobs to do, things to cook, places to clean. But uh, Hamez, Hamez is on COD 24 hours a day. Um, his latest update is that um, he posted something yesterday, which was in line with Atletico Madrid's club motto, although he's come out and since said that it was just a coincidence and um, he's not going there. Um, I think we're also at a weird point with this now, aren't we, Dave? You know, we, we've gone through a few cycles of it. And I feel like social media have gone through, through a few cycles of it where, you know, when Carlo Angelotti went, everyone sort of thought, right, that's him going to go as well. Then everyone saw him looking really happy out in Florida and thinking, you know, he's going to stay. This is this is great. You know, he's going to work with Benitez. Then we've had the situation where fans have got annoyed with Benitez from not being involved. And I think now because we've won and Benitez have got a, has got a bit of credit in the bank and Rodriguez is on Twitch dropping these updates every day. People are just getting a, a bit fed up with them now and sort of want this all to be to be boxed off. Um, becoming a bit of a soap opera, isn't it? Uh, where, where do you stand with it all at this point? Uh, I, don't, I don't really care what he has to say on, on his social media. Um, I think it, it probably does make quite an awkward situation a little bit worse, but that, that's, that's the way modern players act now, isn't it? That's the way model, modern players do things. They want to communicate with fans in different ways, different technologies, probably getting paid a shed load to do it when he does it. That, that's how they work. Um, I think many people will consider it unhelpful uh, given the circumstances. Obviously, there's so many. I'd say, I will say, uh, so many of us who want him to stay, I want him to stay. Um, I, want, I want to see what he can do. I think this romantic notion that everyone's got, oh, I need to see him in real life, has got a little bit tiresome now. I, I I get it. I do get it. I think there's. I do a, sort of feel like people are getting past that now, though. It's sort of I, like I do, I do but it's it's you know, like, maybe, maybe like in preseason he tore it up and scored a couple of goals or you know made a few great passes. But it yeah. sort of feels like even the people in America who watched them play. You know, remember Lyndon saying on one of our shows. You know, I see them play, but he absolutely stuck the gap out, so it wasn't really what yeah. what I expected. But I I also feel that like whichever your mindset is here, whichever camp you're in. Team Benitez or Team Hammers, the way it seems to be working out, it seems to be used as a stick to beat Benitez with. The fact that he's not involved, the fact that there seems to be a breakdown in relationship and communication between the management, and and, and that's just an interpretation of it. Um, obviously, the isolation thing, everyone's going to put two and two together, aren't they, and, and come up with their own uh, decision on, on where they stand with this. And it's not helpful. And 
but my, my own personal take on it is I don't think he's going to go anywhere because I don't think anybody's going to come in for him. And then, secondly, I don't think anybody can afford him. Uh, you, you've seen how difficult transfers have been in this window. You've seen how difficult players' wages have been to negotiate unless you're in that elite bracket. Unfortunately for Hammers on his side of things, he doesn't find himself in that bracket of a, a Romelu Lukaku, a Jaden Sancho, a Jack Grealish. Might well be as good as them technically, yes, but he's the wrong side of 30 years old now. That that doesn't add up well when clubs across the across the globe are, are looking to put offers in for football, as I bet you it pretty much t- takes him out of a lot of boxes for many clubs when they're looking to buy players. Now, whilst Everton might well just settle for getting him off the wage books because it's a hell of a burden, I think, to have his wages on our books right now, given the financial limitations that people seem all too keen to stress. At the moment, I, I I think that he's in limbo. And I think the best thing he could do would be to get off COD and, and get his head down and, and work and get off Twitch or whatever it is he's using. Um, What a name as well, Twitch. Is it Twitch? That's what it's called, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's streaming services. He needs to get off that. And, and look, if he's going to be staying, I want him to make a, a contribution. If he's not going to be staying then it needs to be done quickly and that's not going to be the case. I think he stays. I just hope it's in better circumstances than it is right now. I sort of feel as though, Les, as well, you know, Dave's right and he does end up staying then. Benitez is the ultimate pragmatist and you sort of feel as though being the ultimate pragmatist and, you know, looking at what he's got and getting the best out of that squad, I sort of feel like he probably will find a way to use him in, in, in certain games and, you know, help him make the team better. But, I think Paddy did, did an interesting piece on the Athletic today about how the, the emphasis of the team has changed. Now we're playing more direct football, more aggressive football off the ball. Everyone's sort of got a chip in defensively, so it doesn't really suit him. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation, isn't it? I mean, as Dave put it, you, are you in Team James or Team Benitez or neither? I'm, I'm, I'm fully Benitez now. I've bought into it. Do, got, um... Have you got the Rapatola costume? <laughs> I've got it. It's ready. It's a blue one, though. <laughs> um, yeah, at the start of Mailbag, we do the Rafagraph to see where everyone's up to. Um, so I think I'm, I'm probably about a nine after the weekend. Where are you? So North is getting the bed sheets out in 10. <laughs> so I think I'm about a nine. I'm that, that far from a Cardinal outfit. I think I'm probably about... I was probably on about five and moved up to six from the weekend, so... Just trying to stay neutral. I don't know what that is. Maybe maybe I'll go and buy his book and read it. That's that's what being six. <laughs> that's what being six on the scale is. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I'm. I'm um, I don't think I'll ever hit bed sheet level, no matter how bad it gets. <laughs> but I don't know. They make you do crazy things. This football club, don't they? <laughs> Dave, Dave's going yeah. around people in the BBC and saying, "Let me talk to you about facts." <laughs> well I forgot about that I forgot about that yeah it was on um, they've been doing the Premier League years a lot obviously with the season coming back I don't know if any of you have seen it but that was one of them um, yeah. that was the year they very nearly 08 09 wasn't it and it, it, it's quite funny actually because I do remember we grabbed a one-all draw at Anfield in that season Tim Cahill scored late on um, we got a one-all draw there and obviously at the time it felt like we put a massive dent in Liverpool winning the title and he, he was the manager so yeah, I do. I do think it's it's quite easy, isn't it, to delve into the memory bank and realise why you never did like this guy. But <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to stay away from that and trying to give him every chance. And and look, he he's played the blind so far. I thought the subs were good. Uh, I thought you know he properly involves himself in the games. You can't accuse him of not being passionate about Everton and 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 being 
you know, a manager that loves to sort of G his players up from the touchline. I think we'll need a lot of that, particularly away from home. So, um, yeah, good, good luck to him. But, yeah, it's... Um, you can play with your head a little bit, can't it, when you think about all this? Like, it's something I think that if we go and lose, like, five on the spin or something like that, I'll be all too happy to open that particular <laughs> balls in the memory bank to delve into it. Yeah, just just on the, the, the Rodriguez thing, then, I think, um, I think after that display on Saturday... If, I mean, I know it was only Southampton and, you know, that I think they're going to be in trouble this season. It, um, it showed that we have got a different way of playing now because last season we didn't. We basically give it to Rodriguez, he'd pick out Luke Dean, we'd score that way or we'd get a set piece and we'd score that way. It was pretty sort of one-dimensional. Now we've got pace, we've got players who are prepared to cross it and get bodies in the box. And you do kind of think Rodriguez could fit into that because he's going to have a lot of options in front of him. So it would be nice to get him in the team but I think he's very much at this point a nice to have and not sort of integral to anything, which is probably the situation we want to be in because we don't want to be relying on him because we've seen last season that you can't. But, you know, we knew that when we signed him that we couldn't. So, you know, I hope he stays. I really do hope he stays. I'm not convinced he will, um, not least because there is previous between them two as well, isn't there? Um, but it would will, it will be really nice if, you know, if he becomes an option that we've got and we can use when we need him. And then he himself has got more options up front. You know, to, to pick out. Um, it's just nice to have a different way of playing. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, don't want to get ahead of ourselves because probably did this when Cumin's first game when we went at Spurs for seventy minutes and we're like, oh my god, this is brilliant. We're press playing, pressing football. This is great. And we didn't do it again for the two years he was there. But I'd, I'd like to think that Benitez has, has he's gone into this season and he's clearly been told at some point he's not going to be able to sign many players. Or he's not got much of a budget. So he's gone out and got the sort of three players that he definitely needs, two pacey strikers slash wingers and a, and a backup keeper. So it's obviously a very deliberate plan and just totally stick with it now because it's exciting to see. Yeah, and I think it'd be good if he did stay. You know, he, he can't cross a ball. You know, he's yeah. he's probably the best crosser of the football at the football club still. But it's just the other side, isn't it? You know, mm. you couldn't play him on the wing in a 4-4-2 like we did at the weekend. So... Yeah, um, we'll wait and see how, how that one developed. Um, so sort of elsewhere, you know, mentioned at the start of the show, um, it's been reported by Craig Hope from the Mail, who's obviously very well connected up at Newcastle, that us at Southampton are looking at Sean Longstaff. £10 million, apparently. Didn't realise his contract's up at Newcastle next summer, which might explain why it's maybe, you know, quite low in, in that regard. Um, this is a player, Dave, who was linked with Manchester United a couple of years ago for 50 million. I mean, Newcastle turned down, albeit he'd only played about nine Premier League games, I think, at this point. Uh, but he's had a bad, bad injury, had to, had to work his way back, hasn't quite been able to work his way back in at Newcastle um, under Steve Bruce. Um, what, what, what do you make of this one? I mean, first and foremost, on the player, and, and secondly, is, is that is that an area we need to be looking at spending what I'd imagine is quite a little amount of money we've got left at the moment? Yeah, I think that I'll answer that bit secondly. First of all, on the player, I think very easy for people to taint footballers by what club they play for. I think that needs to be stated first of all. He's he's, he's a good player. Um, I think he's better than his brother as well. Uh, you're right. I, I think a couple of years ago, he, he did look like one of the hot talents in the Premier League. Uh, quite a mobile midfield player, box to box, can move it around, can play a defensive midfield role if you want, can play a little bit forward if you want that as well, and he can shoot. Uh, he, he he's the brother that scored the goal against United, isn't he, a couple of seasons ago? 
Is that the other one? No, that was the other one. Is he the younger or older one we're talking about now? Uh, so Sean's the blonde one and Matty's the ginger one. Well, that helps. <laughs> so Who's the younger yeah. of the two that burst onto the scene? That was that Matty Longstaff, but I don't think he was ever considered the better of the two. Ever, right, really. yeah. Uh, so, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, when I've seen him play, and I am talking about the right one. Are you sure? Are you sure you know which now, one it is? Now that you've given me the hair, distinctive hair colours, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. But they had similar type of players too. Um, yeah, I was I was impressed. I think he's decent. But what's decent playing for Newcastle? Now, I've just immediately contradicted what I said. That you shouldn't judge a player by who they play for. But it's easily the type of player I think that people get carried away with when, when you do sort of get linked with a big money move. It happened with Tom Davis, didn't it, as well? And that's what I see. I see quite a lot of that. I see, the, I see similarities in that um, in, in terms of being like overly hyped from an early on uh, stage in the career. And then it fizzles out and you're wondering, is this lad really up to it? Can he be good enough? And look, as we all know all too well, it's taken Tom a long, long time to get over that and, and to find himself on on somewhat of an even keel uh, at Goodison and, and, and in a position where he can really kick on with his career. That said, he wasn't included on Saturday as well, which might be a little bit telling there. But it's a player Benitez knows well. Um, it's somebody, I think, given our limited transfer budget that, that, that people consi- consistently bang on about at the moment, that's going to take a fair, if not all, of the money they want to spend acquiring a player minus wages. Um, so, you know, if Benitez wants him, then that, you know, I think he'll have been made more more than aware that this is it, effectively, unless we go and get some loans and, and 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 maybe some free transfers. There's other players out there. Seeing the, the American striker we're linked with who plays over in Germany today because it's hot, like Everton yeah, which is another interesting seems, one. Seems like a bit of a snide, which I'm all for. Yeah, they, well, there you go. Yeah, snide will probably score five and 40 games and we'll be left with him and his wages and trying to shift. <laughs> hey, it's a better record than Moise Keane's got four, is that to be fair? So. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's another one to talk. I mean, it, it seems to be a, a theme this week, doesn't it? Plays on social media. He's put all his pictures back up, hasn't he? All of his Everton pictures, all of the uh, all of the times he scored all those goals for us. He's put all them back up, all two of them. So um wonder what happens there. But yeah, with with, uh, with Longstaff, and mid- midfield is an area I'd still look at with a bit of concern. Um, I think people would paper over the cracks with it, given the you know the, the issue that's glaringly obvious, which is right back and probably up front as well. I think we need another player up front, but it's still an area where we need improving <laughs> all over the pitches. Unfortunately, I think we do lack in most areas on the pitch. And um, when you look at a 40 odd game season, you know, there the, are the, 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 a lot of glaring, the obvious holes, uh, not only in the first 11, but also in the squad as well, that do need to be filled in. Um, so, yeah, but it does seem to me, uh, it's going to be one that the manager favours. I don't know what Marcel Brands thinks. This is a, this is a lad, what is he, early 20s, mid 20s? 24. Yeah, mid 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 twenties. Who who brands probably looks at and thinks, well, you know, if he's he's going off them sacred words, sell on value, then that might be something in in this here. But um, look, he's he's a player I thought was decent. I think he's an average Premier League midfield player. Do Everton need an average Premier League midfield player? Well, if he's got legs and can run, I'd probably say yes. But I don't remember him being a whippet. I don't remember him being quick. I don't remember him being strong. Remember him being a decent passer of the football who could shoot. So, 
don't know, do you put all your all your eggs in one basket? Do you put all your transfer funds into one paycheck? I'm not so sure, but it's an area I think we need, uh, but probably not the priority right now. I'm still not sure you know which one he is. I'm still well, not if it's either convinced. of them, I think we'll have just said fits, <laughs> we'll just said fits for both of them. It? it applies blankets to both of them. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think you're right. I think he's more of a, a passer than a, a runner. He's more of like a, yeah, a pivot sort of player who get it and, and spread the ball. But but Les, you know, if, if Longstaff did come in, then this could potentially pave the way at last for Tom Davis to become a, a full-time right-back option. So I'm sure with that in mind, you're absolutely all for it. When you put it like that, I am definitely all for it. I, I I actually don't know anything about either of the long staff players. I don't really know anything about any players until we sign for Evan. Um, but as Dave said, if he's got legs and can run, it puts him ahead of about 75% of our current midfield. So, yeah, I'm all for that. I would love to see Tom Davis ride it right back. People will be just like probably on whatever device they're listening to this on now saying, shut up, not head, something like that. But... I just, I think he'd be good at right-back. I think he's got the attributes that you need to be a decent right-back. You can go forward, you can tackle, he's a decent passer. Is this like the new Leighton Baines in midfield? Yeah, basically. So as Leighton Baines could have been the new Philip Lahm, Tom Davis could be the new Gary Stevens. There you go, said it. <laughs> there we go. Um Maybe he'll play there on Saturday at Leeds. Who knows? Maybe that's what he's saving him for. Uh, we'll finish off quick five-minute chat on that. Um, back at Allen Road on Saturday. Um, mixed sort of uh, omens going into this one, Les, uh, because Leeds are back at Allen Road for the first time in the Premier League with a full stadium, so it's going to be absolutely rocking. Of course, they play in a way which I think is, you know, you'd imagine will cause us problems given the energy and the, the attack and variety we've got. But they got absolutely smashed in the last half an hour by United at the weekend. And obviously United brought it and have got some great attacking players. But there's definitely defensive vulnerabilities there that, you know, the likes of Dominic Carver-Lewin and Richardson could exploit. Um, but how are you feeling going into this one? I'm, I sort of feel as though with the atmosphere and the way it's going to be and, you know, how revved up they're going to be that everything just needs to get through the first 20 minutes here and sort yeah. of take it from there. Yeah, it, it's... It's almost like this has been postponed from last year. So it's almost like playing the newly promoted team in the first game at home. The fact that it's Leeds and they're a bit of a rabid crowd anyway, because that, it will be loud there. Um, I imagine it to be a sort of similar atmosphere to when we played Villa um, the other year. And, beat you know, Villa, we go top day, that one. That beat Villa, we go top day, yeah. I think, I feel like the atmosphere is going to be something like that. And it's, you know, it's a lot to play against in that situation. Um, but, and, you know, and also Leeds players lagging it everywhere for 90 minutes. Um, we did it last season. We we kind of dispatched them quite relatively easily. I think last season it was a pretty straightforward away win. Obviously, it will be different with the fans there this time. But I think, as you said, play the way United did. Get down the middle. That seems to be a big, big hole we've got in the middle of the pitch there that you can you can exploit. So, you know, Benitez is very much a manager who takes every game as it comes. He's got no sort of set way of playing. He will be looking at that on Saturday and. You know, you'll probably want to try. Well, I'd say the best thing to do would be try and replicate that. They'll obviously be looking at that game themselves and thinking, well, we can't do that again. But I think when they've got a very sort of rigid way of playing, they've sort of basically got one way of playing against everyone. So it's not as easy for them to just sort of say, well, we'll have to put that right because that's the way they play. So I think that United game can give us a lot of confidence going into it. But as you say, I think right up the first 20 minutes, see how we get on. 
fully expecting us to concede in the first minute now. <laughs> Dave, how do you feel about it? Um, you know, should, I know, I know you're, you're going at the weekend. The atmosphere should be amazing, shouldn't it? Yeah, and I'm quite worried about that, to be honest with you. I think uh, we, we discussed in me like Southampton's probably the home game you want. Leeds away is probably right down the list of the away game you want. The first, first game of the season going somewhere who haven't had fans in. Um, look, it's the first time in the Premier League for them for many, many years, isn't it? For many of those fans going to watch their team at Ellen Road. So, yeah, it's going to be a cauldron. Um, I, I think last season, I was going to reference last season's game, but I don't think it'll have any bearing on it whatsoever because I think we we played pretty well when we went to Leeds and deserved our victory at, at Ellen Road. Um, Probably the best away performance of the season, I'd say, that one. Yeah, it, it, I agree with you. I think first it's a, half in particular, they were excellent. Don't you think? Don't you think already though? This feels like a very different team to the one last season. I know it's only one game, and it's easy to get carried away. The dynamic of the team seems very different now, though. So we can't really compare it to anything that happened last season. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing I'll be interested to see, Les, is that that was when we were decent on the counter attack, if, if I recall, at that, that yeah. time. And, and the thing that. I don't think we'll, we obviously haven't seen it yet under Benitez. I do wonder if that's something that's been sacrificed to try and come up with a game plan that's a little bit more pragmatic and one that can sort of endure a side coming at you as, undoubtedly as often as Leeds will. That's where it will be different. Whether it's as effective remains to be seen. But I think it's the type of game where I'm worried about the first 20 minutes because it's just going to be pandemonium, I think. Literally any time a Leeds player gets a ball in a full-back slot and decides to take a few steps with the ball, the crowd are just going to be unbelievable. Um, you have to absorb it. It's the thing where Everton have faltered so often, I think, and it's something that they've, I think, gladly last season they didn't have to put up with, which is probably why our away record was so good, um, because they didn't have to cope with that feeling of just being bombarded by 40,000 people plus the 11 that they're playing on the pitch. Um, so from that point of view, you know, I'd, I'd probably take a draw right now. If you offered me one all, if you offered me two two, I would I would absolutely take it. I think we'll score. I don't think there's an issue there. I think we will score against them. They've got some serious vulnerabilities when you turn them round, Leeds. Um, but if we can get if we can get through that first twenty, where everyone's just going to be off the heads on adrenaline uh, and, and and really looking forward to this game, then I think you've got the best chance of it settling down and then we can start trying to get our players involved and getting the ball forward and hopefully providing a cross or two for for DCL. Um because that's how we that's how we'll do it against these. I don't think they've got any anybody to worry about whatsoever at the back. I think they've got a cracking young goalkeeper. Um it'll obviously feature if we are if we are in the ascendancy, but I don't see them having centre half so man mark Calvert Loon out the game. You know, and and then if that is the case, it's about getting those balls into. And we saw, I think we saw a, a lot of people have made too much of this. I don't think Townsend and Gray were that effective on Saturday. I thought there were a couple of nice moments, and I think a lot was made of it. Was like we put nineteen crosses in, and the average last season was twelve. So get in there. I mean, they need to be pinpoint on his head for that to be a telling statistic, don't they? And a couple of them were, were wayward. There were a couple of decent ones. Um, but I think that's where it's really going to bear fruit. They've got a couple of quick left backs and right backs. And you saw Ailing, didn't we score that whopper against United? He loves to get forward. If we can get someone who pins him back, I think that nullifies a lot of what the good things that Leeds can do. Bamford doesn't worry me. I don't think he's quick. 
then again, Michael Keane does worry me, and he's not quick. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd I'd take a draw it all in if you were to offer it me now. But I think we'll score. It's it's how we keep them out. Yeah, should be good. It's just one of those grounds that you've got bad memories of, obviously from years ago, uh, growing up and stuff like that. But it's the cup semi, we'll always have the cup semi, won't we? Yeah, yeah. Even when we played them in the League Cup, I went there and we got beat two one. And Francisco Junior played centre mid for us that night. It was this time scored, didn't you? They stand scored later on, yeah, and we just about uh, horrible game that. Yeah, it was on a flyer, didn't we? Yeah, it was horrendous night that one, absolutely yeah. horrendous. But, but yeah, uh, we'll wait and see what happens. But yeah, uh, we'll do previewing of that game later in the week over on the Blue Room Extra. I'm speaking to Phil Hay from the Athletic, who's wonderful on all things Leeds. So looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll have more shows coming up throughout the week as well, including Mailbag. And um, where are you doing it from this week, Les? Anywhere exotic or? Just back on Zoom this week. Back on Zoom this week. Uh, yeah. Give it the big sell there. <laughs> yeah, I know it was. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do one of those live ones once a month. I think. Yeah. Uh, be good. I'll be taking names for the next one soon. Good stuff. Uh, but yeah, cheers to Dave. Cheers to Les. That's been your weekly show here on the Blue Room. If you want to come and join us over on the Blue Room Extra, it's Patreon.com/slash the Blue Room Extra. Uh, we get multiple shows every weekday, building up to and looking back on all of our football matches. And now, with the games coming thick and fast, it is a great time. But hopefully, we'll see you over there. If you just listen to the free stuff, we'll be back again next week on the weekly. Um, who are you? I'm you, from the future. What do you want? I want to tell you about Dave. Dave has your future money. Spend it on whatever you need. With extra cash from Dave, you can get up to 500 bucks instantly with no interest and no credit check. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.